0: Are you one of those people who's dying to share their scoop on the book you just read? If the answer is yes, you came to the right place. But warning, spoilers ahead. I'm Amaris, and welcome to the Book Nook. Hello, my fellow book readers. And yes, I know it's been a while. And when I say a while, it has been... Wait, let me check my Spotify account real quick. August 7th. Wow, that's like how many months? I should know this since I want to pursue a career that primarily involves math. Let's count this. September 1, October 2, November 3, December 4, January 5, February 6, March 7. Wow. I wasted a lot of time talking about how long it's been since I made an episode. Anyways, it's good to be back. I decided to come back because I put out a poll a few months back about making another episode and I got a ridiculous amount of response, and it seriously blew me away. Not because it's a podcast about books, but it's a podcast of me talking about books. It's good to know a lot of people like me doing this, and I'll say it again, it's good to be back. Now the sign on the book I wanted to do was easy at first. I've been reading a lot of John Green lately, and my favorite of his so far was Fallen Our Stars. But as you can tell from the name of this podcast, I won't be talking about Fallen Our Stars by John Green, and the reason was because I didn't have a copy of it. I walked into the game room and asked my sister Evelyn about it, fully expecting that the book was in her room, but finding out we didn't have a copy. I then had to resort to Plan B, which is what I'll be talking about today. This book I actually had to ask my other sister Olivia for, even though she bought me this book and it deserves to be in my library. But I'll move past the part that the book was ripped and get into why I chose this book today before I actually start the discussion. Like I mentioned, Olivia gave me this book as a gift for Christmas a few years back. I was iffy because the title Love and Gelato gave off too many cheesy love story vibes. But like the famous saying, don't judge a book by its cover, tells us, I knew I shouldn't let this title stop me from reading it. Plus, my sister bought me a gift. And if you have siblings, especially younger ones, you know that it, you, they could give you a rock and you'd melt with joy because they thought of you. Fast forward three days, I had finished the entire book. Fast forward to present time, I have reread this book at least twice. And you might be thinking, what is so amazing about this book? To be honest, nothing really. It's just a guilty pleasure. Since it's been a while, I want to quickly review how each episode works. I first give a simplified synopsis, then I talk about two of my favorite parts and why, and then share what I believe happened to the characters after the conclusion of the book. Before I start, yes, I'll start eventually after this one last thing, I wanted to warn you that if you aren't a fan of romance, then you might not like this episode, since that is most of what I'll be talking about. But if you do, then, well, you might just go and buy this book yourself. Also, if you happen to forget, I do spoil books on this podcast. Let's finally start. So here's the background info you need to know. Love and Gelato tells the story of a teenage girl named Lena, whose mom recently died of cancer. You might be thinking, man, I did not realize this book was going to be sad. Most of the book is filled with happy moments. But it's important I mention this, as it's what causes Lena to spend her summer in the Italian city of Florence, and will be the underlying theme of the book. Now, if you've never been or heard of Florence, please pause this podcast and look at pictures only because it's absolutely breathtaking. Definitely love to visit one day. Hopefully you didn't get too distracted by the pictures and can refocus on this attempted synopsis. So why does this teenager go to one of the most beautiful places on Earth? Well, her mother spent a year in the city to study photography and has a good friend named Howard, which is said to be her father she liked Lena to stay with after she dies. Lena goes with the full intention of staying only for the summer, but her mother and grandmother think it's best she stays. Lena is caught off guard when she finds out Howard runs and lives in a World War II memorial. Sonia, the assistant superintendent of the ground, also lives there too. is an important supporter to Lena while she lives there. Sonia is also, also the one who gives Lena her mom's old journal, the same journal that she has when she lives in Florence. This journal becomes the source of the plot for this book as Lena learns that she might know more about her mother's life by reading it. She does have help with solving this mystery. Her best friend back in the States, Addie, and her new Italian friend, Ren. Now, Addie is pretty irrelevant to the plot, but Ren, well, let's just say he's pretty important. And when I say important, yes, they fall in love with each other. (laughs) They originally have different love interests, but if someone's asking to hang out with you almost every night, then there's a 98.9% chance they like you. And I honestly had no reasoning behind that exact percentage. (laughs) Anyways, they fall for each other over the course of their journey, which is pretty cute. Reminds me of this classic movie called Romance in the Stone. If you haven't seen it, highly suggest it. And while we are on the topic of classic movies, if you know me, you know me, I love classic movies. Lena's favorite movie is *Dirty Dancing, which I found absolutely amazing. Sorry for that tangent. To finish off the synopsis, I'll state the least obvious spoiler. You ready? Lena suspects Howard is her father, but learns this other guy, Mateo, is her father. But Howard becomes Lena's true father in the end, as he's the one who truly loved her mother and took care of her. And that about Rhapsos synopsis. When it comes to my first favorite part in the book, it's pretty basic part compared to the rest of the book, but its simplicity is what makes me love it so much. In this chapter, Ren comes over to hang out with Lena and realizes she hasn't seen the ponte visio. And yes, I did not pronounce that correctly. So from now on, in order to keep embarrassment at a minimum, I'll call the location PV. Anyways, Peavey is one of the oldest bridges in Italy and one of the jewels of Florence. Rin about about loses it when he finds out she hasn't been, even though she's been there for three days. (laughs) So he decided to ride his scooter into town to see it. What I love about this part is you really begin to see Lena fall in love with the city, as she describes the banks as lit up like a runway, with strings of glittering lights that stretch and disappear in either direction. This is an important shift because remember, she doesn't want to stay in Italy, but she builds this magical bond to it throughout the book. This bond mainly comes from her thoughts of her mother in Italy, and she feels her presence there with her. Another important thing about this part is you begin to subtly see Lena have feelings for Rin. The author does this by describing his touch as heating, as well as Lena having enough trust in him to show him her mom's journal. By doing this, this sets up the rest of the book in which Rin helps her unlock clues about her mother's life there. We also get some insight about Rin and his American side of the family, which is actually from Texas, which I thought was pretty cool. He describes how it can be a struggle being mixed and trying to act like one side to please the environment fit. I believe this mindset causes him to be drawn to Lena because he knows she'll understand his American side. The chapter ends with him suggesting they get gelato, which Lena had never had. With the chapter being called Love and Gelato, you can see how this relationship between them two is very hinted at, and I believe that's all I have to say about that part. I know I didn't dig too deep into it, but it was pretty straightforward. I still find the chapter so lovely, and it makes me wish I was spending my summer in Italy. The next part I'm going to discuss is much more climactic, as this is the scene in which Lena meets her actual father, Matteo. Now let me give some background for this chapter, because it might make more sense why things go down the way they do. Firstly, Lena's been traveling around Florence and retracing her mother's footsteps to discover what her mom's love life was like. In her mother's journal, she gives this guy she's in love with the name X. And all she, all she knows is that their romance was a secret, because he was an assistant professor at the time, and it would have gotten him kicked out of school. Lena originally thought it was Howard, with him being her father and all, but when she sees Howard's name in the journal, she discovers that it could have been him her mother was in love with. After some research, she discovers who he is. Not only does he own an art exhibit in school in Rome, but he is her actual father, as they look very much alike, according to the picture online. But why would Howard say he is her father and take her in as if he was? Well, it's important to note that Lena's mother was young when she had her, and that Howard was the only one to take care of her while Matteo left the picture. With all this in mind, I can dig into this chapter. Yes, yes, this is kind of confusing, but stay with me to the end, and it will all make sense. So Rin and Lena decide to take a last minute trip to Rome so Lena could meet her father. The chapter begins with Matteo taking them into his office to talk. Both Rin and Lena are extremely anxious. I like to think it's that feeling when you've done something against your parents' wishes, but you don't know whether or not they know about it. They ask some harmless questions like what cameras he uses and where he gets his photos in the exhibits. Eventually, Mateo admits he knows who Lena is and questions why she had come. Of course, this catches Lena off guard because she is his daughter. Sally goes on to describe that his relationship with her mother meant nothing to him and how everything in the journal was made up. Talk about punch to the gut. In my opinion, I think he says this because he was embarrassed the whole thing happened and wants to deny it. I couldn't even imagine the pain Lena must feel in this scene. She has already lost her mother and her father wants nothing to do with her. This leaves her ultimately vulnerable to her feelings for Rim. Now, if they end up together or not, you'll just have to wait a little bit longer. And that about wraps up the chapter. I know it's not the happiest moment in the book, and it's not very simple, but I think it's an important ending to the journey she went on to discover her father, even if he was the definition of a jerk. I've heard this a lot lately, but the hardest times in a person's life is what grows them as an individual. It may take a few days, weeks, months, and even years to discover that, but if you can look at rough situations as less of a roadblock, but more as an alternate path. And that's exactly what Lena does in the ending of this book. I know I haven't talked about it a lot, but Lena truly struggled with the loss of her mom and really seeks to find her. I want to read this entry for you guys because I couldn't find a better way to sum it up in which it would make sense. Lena's at this tower in this field and says, I sank to the floor, pain washing over me in big, jagged waves. She told me over and over how wonderful my life was going to be, how proud she was of me, how much she wished she could be there, not just for the big moments, but for the little ones. And then she said she'd find a way to stay close to me. But so far, she's just been gone, and then gone some more, and all that gone stretched out in front of me like a horizon, endless and daunting and empty. I've been running around Italy trying to solve the mystery of the journal, trying to understand why she'd done what she'd done. But really, I'd just been looking for her, and I wasn't going to find her, ever. I can't do this, I said out loud, pressing my face into my hands. I can't be here without you. And that's when I got slapped. Well, maybe not slapped, it was more like a nudging. But suddenly, I was getting to my feet because a word was pushing itself into my brain. Look. I shaded my eyes, the sun was rising over the hills, heating up the undersides of the clouds and setting them on fire in crazy shades of pink and gold. Everything around me was bright and beautiful and suddenly very clear. I didn't get to stop missing her, ever. It was the thing that my life had handed me. No matter how heavy it was, I was never going to be able to set it down. But that didn't mean I wasn't going to be okay, or even happy. I couldn't imagine exactly, but maybe a day would come when the hole inside me wouldn't ache quite so badly, and I could think about her and remember it would be all right. That day felt light years away, but right at this moment... I was standing on the tower in the middle of Tuscany, and the sunrise was so, so beautiful that it hurt. And that was something. The author ends the book with those same words, which I thought was creative. It really is sad, but hopeful. You would think love would be the big theme of this book, but truly it's hope. She does eventually sit down with Howard and explains the journal. She learned that Howard loved her mother since he first saw her, and waited for her even when she got with her father. He still wanted Lena in his life because he was the last thing left of her mother. That's so sweet. Anyways, some of you are probably dying to know what goes down with Rin and Lena. Well, I can only tell you what the book says. Basically, Lena goes to this party looking pretty fine, but Rin doesn't acknowledge her. This of course hurts Lena, so she leaves early. When when she was trying to sleep, she hears this noise and comes to figure out coins were being thrown at her window. If you haven't guessed, it was Rin. Honestly, as simple as it was, I found it so sweet, but this comes from a girl who would drop dead if someone um, played In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel through a boombox to wake me up. I really have made too many classic movie references in this podcast. Anyway, she'll eventually come down to him, and they'll run off in this Italian field, and she'll admit she'll stay in Italy, which, like, yes, girl. He explains that he liked her all along, but thought she was interested in another guy, when really she was interested in him. That confusion is so painful, cause like they both like each other, but one backs off, and the other isn't into them. Lesson, kids: if you like someone and you have a good feeling they like you back, be the bigger person and admit it, so the confusion can end and y'all can be happy. Now, here's what I think happens after the conclusion of the book. As a love hopeful, I believe Lena and Rin's relationship lasts forever. When it comes to Lena's career path, I think she'll work part time at the memorial with Howard, but I also can see her pursuing photography like her mom. Whether or not she stays in Italy for the long run, I think I can see her moving to America or staying in Italy. And I think that's all I gotta say. I truly appreciate you guys taking your little time of the day to listen to this weirdo talk about this book. But I have to be completely honest with you guys. I reread this book again, after I wrote this podcast and had to go back and edit. And yes, this is scripted. My secret is out. Anyways, I really wish I could do this more often because I absolutely love talking about books. If you have any books you'd like me to talk about or just read, please, please let me know. I seriously will read anything. Well, till next time, bye my readers.